BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Earlier this afternoon, Donald Trump was arraigned on a New York Supreme Court indictment returned by a Manhattan grand jury on 34 felony counts of falsifying business records in the first degree. So let me do the rush thing. I'm, I'm holding in my hands the legal document of the day. You hear that? And, and right here I see the names. Stephanie Clifford, a.k.a. Stormy Daniels, Donald J. Trump. And it's a legal document that I hold, but it's not the New York Supreme Court. It has nothing to do with Alvin Bragg. No, this is from the Ninth Circuit, United States Court of Appeals. In a strange coincidence, yesterday, Stormy Daniels, I wonder if you're aware of this. There's so much news out there and so much of it related to the indictment of the former president. But yesterday, on the day that he was indicted, Stormy Daniels was ordered to pay in excess of $120,000 to Donald Trump as reimbursement of legal costs because of a defamation action that she filed against him that was thrown out of court. I had completely forgotten about this case. This was the case where she said that there was a man who stalked her, I think, outside of a gym. Frankly, I didn't take the time to go back and reread the details. But the Ninth Circuit yesterday awarded the $120,000 plus to Donald Trump. You can read that at Smirconish.com. I went to predict it last night, and I wanted to see where are the betting markets, at least this betting market, this futures market is probably a better way to describe it, as they relate to the nomination of the Republican candidate, the nomination of the Democratic candidate, and an election winner for 2024. Perhaps you'll be interested to note that as of last night, Donald Trump was a 45-cent or 45-percent pick, followed by Ron DeSantis at 36%, and then a big drop-off before there's anybody else. Bet 45 cents, and if Trump secures the Republican nomination, then then you win a dollar. On the Democratic side, Joe Biden at 70 cents, Gavin Newsom in second position at 10 cents. Mark Halpern, who will join me in an hour uh, yesterday, analyze the issue of whether Biden really is going to run for re-election. That'll be part of our conversation when he arrives. With regard to the 2024 victor, it's Biden as a 40 cent or 40 percent pick and Donald Trump at 28 cents. So make of it what you will, at least that futures market doesn't seem to have had any significant change by virtue of Trump being indicted, being arrested uh, yesterday. I said on uh, YouTube And I'll say again that to me, this was a little Peggy Lee-ish, as in, is that all there is? I mean, I kept wondering as I was extending myself here on POTUS and on CNN in the last couple of days, extending myself and saying, I think this is the weakest of the four possible buckets of legal threat to Donald Trump. I I would rank this number four. I would put Jack Smith in the lead position with the Mar-a-Lago documents. 
But Lanny Davis was here both on radio and as a guest of mine on television saying when I said, is, is there is there more than we're aware of? And he suggested that there was having read the indictment. I don't see it. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. I'll make this observation. Okay, Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, is not obligated, was not obligated as of the time that the indictment was drafted to put in the kitchen sink. But he should have given us more. And I'm really surprised. This is the the biggest surprise that I have of all from yesterday is that knowing the criticism that he is facing and not just from conservatives who are rallying around the Trump flag, both sides of the aisle, legal pundits on on all of the cable outlets, knowing of the criticism that he's facing about trying to elevate a misdemeanor to a felony by a very risky or novel or untested theory, you'd think he'd have put more in to justify that which he was doing, even though it's not required. Instead, what do we have? Every one of the 34 charges, and that sounds impressive, you know, facing 34 charges, and there are 34 different charges, but but it's, it's really a handful of different transactions based on the same factual predicate. And the falsification of business records that we anticipated is referenced in every one of those 34 charges. That's a misdemeanor. It carries with it a two-year statute of limitation. So, as you've heard from me and countless others, there needs to be an additional crime that raises this to felony status. Could he be charged? Could Donald Trump be simply charged with the falsification of business records? And that's it. He could. But you've got that statute of limitations issue. Was it told by Governor Cuomo? Was it told by Trump being president of the United States? I mean, there there are a lot of issues there. There are a lot of issues surrounding all of this. So we waited yesterday to learn, well... What's the additional crime? What is it that they're going to hit Donald Trump with to raise this to felony status? It's not in the indictment. It's not spelled out. And Alvin Bragg, I thought, was a bit cagey about it when he was questioned on this subject at his at his post-hearing press conference. Violating New York State election law, a possibility. Making or causing additional false statements, including to tax authorities, that's a possibility. Although although he said yesterday at one point, he suggested that there was a planned false statement to New York tax authorities. A planned? Was it executed? 
And then exceeding the federal campaign contribution cap seems to be also in play. But that then raises the question of whether a state district attorney can charge based on federal law. In order to convict, he's going to have to prove that Donald Trump tried to conceal crimes that he's not been charged with and that are not actually named in the indictment. We still don't know. I was really surprised when... I was watching some of the instantaneous reaction. I shall not name names, at least not so early in the program. And I heard some individuals making the case that this was really strong. And Well, I'll name one name. I'll name one name, Cy Vance. The predecessor of Alvin Bragg, I saw Cyrus Vance with Aaron Burnett last night, and she asked several specific and with follow-up questions like, you know, why didn't you, I'm paraphrasing, but why didn't you take the case? And what do you make of the, uh, what do you make of, of the charges? Uh, Dan, we have that. I think we've got two cuts from Cy Vance. So this is the former, this is the former Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg's predecessor, being questioned by Aaron Burnett. What I did find different and where I differ from some of your excellent panelists uh, that were just on is I found the doc- the document actually quite detailed. Uh, I mean, the, it is a speaking indictment, and it has uh, quite a bit of detail about the history and laid out the facts underlying then the various counts that are listed. Uh, so I thought that the indictment uh, provided more detail uh, mm-hmm. than uh, than perhaps others expected. So I, I was so taken aback by that that I'd already printed a copy of the indictment. And I went immediately back online thinking, I must not have downloaded everything. There must be more to this. The only, and and no, I had it all. And you can read it. It's at Smirconish.com in poll position. The must read of the day is a PDF of the indictment. And I recommend that you read it. The only thing new that I saw in the indictment was the doorman. Dino something or other. A Trump Tower doorman who was identified uh, as having received... Was it 30 grand from the parent of the National Enquirer in one of these catch and kill situations because he purported to have a story about Trump fathering a child out of wedlock? And then in the indictment, it says that the Enquirer and AMI, they didn't think it was true. But I didn't know that. I, of course, knew about Stormy Daniels. I knew about Karen McDougal. I didn't know about Dino the doorman. But that was the only detail in there that I felt like broke any new ground. Here was a follow up exchange with uh Cy Vance okay so so can you explain there then because the the description that we've seen sort of has been that it was bare bones right that it just lists the date and that uh the voucher number of the check and uh you know false entry of business records so can you explain what you did find in here that was more detailed than you expected well, I think at least the indictment I think I read was uh, the counts are always fairly bare bones, but it's the prefatory la- precatory language that is used before the counts that out that outlines the scheme that the prosecution is making public uh, to educate the public, presumably on the background of uh, the facts that relate then to the substantive counts. I mean, I can read you a paragraph. Uh, of what I think he's referring to during and in furtherance of his candidacy for president, the defendant and others agreed to identify and suppress negative stories about him. Two parties to this agreement have admitted to committing illegal conduct in connection with the scheme. 
In August of 2018, Lawyer A pleaded guilty to two federal crimes involving illegal campaign contributions and subsequently served time in prison. In addition, in August of 2018, American Media Inc., AMI, a media company that owned and published magazines and supermarket tabloids, including the National Enquirer, admitted in a non-prosecution agreement that it made a payment to a source of a story to ensure that it, quote, did not publicize the damaging allegations about the defendant before the 2016 presidential election and thereby influence that election. Are any of you, is, is that new to anybody? From Politico, how do misdemeanors become felonies? New York state law says faking business records is a misdemeanor, but faking them to cover up a crime is a felony. Throughout 2021, prosecutors in Manhattan's DA's office puzzled over whether that crime had to be another state offense or if a federal crime could trigger the escalation. Bragg is getting around this ambiguity by alleging that Trump violated both state and federal campaign finance laws, as well as unspecified tax laws, which could also include both state and federal violations. Regardless, Trump's lawyers will attack the theory and Bragg's refusal so far to detail the underlying crimes. At the end of the hearing, uh, Judge Mershon said to the parties, see you in December. I think December 4. And that's a day, by the way, that Donald Trump will have to return. Think about that now, because 45 days later, we're talking Iowa caucus, New Hampshire primary sort of stuff. That So that December, next December. And a lot is going to happen in the interim that I think ultimately will be Uh, potentially more legally catastrophic to Trump, and I refer to Jack Smith, maybe Fonnie Willis, but you already know what those buckets of cases are. Fulton County weighing whether to file charges in furtherance of a grand jury investigation about the perfect phone call and Trump's efforts to overturn the Georgia election. The Justice Department looking at January 6th. I have no idea where that stands. Not much gets written about it. But, of course, the Justice Department probe into Trump's handling of classified documents, the, the potential obstruction case, is, uh, is the biggie. That is the biggie. And Secret Service agents, formerly of his detail, who've now been compelled to testify this Friday, is the latest development on that. I mean, Trump last night was, you know, vintage Trump. I don't say that in a positive way, but it was, it was festivus. When he got to Mar-a-Lago, and I heard commentators, and it's interesting, um, I heard commentators yesterday talking about the still image that was released of him in the courtroom saying that he looked defeated and fatigued and, and that this was a reality moment and speculating because the indictment hadn't yet been released. Like, maybe there's something in that indictment that he hadn't anticipated. You know, he was supposed to speak to the media on his way into the courtroom, and he didn't. There must be something in there that really caught him by surprise. No, there wasn't. And when he got to Mar-a-Lago, he was, he was, you know, he was typical Donald Trump. Not the way I would have handled it if I were Donald Trump. You know, coming out and attacking Bragg as the criminal, going after Jack Smith by name, going after Judge Mershon and his wife and his daughter, I don't know. Does it fire up the base? I, I mean, what would I have done if I were Donald Trump? If I were Donald Trump, I would have I would have walked out last night armed with data. 
about the number of instances where Alvin Bragg has reduced a felony to a misdemeanor. I'd have had the data and I'd have had the anecdotes. I would have had stories about, you know, little old ladies at subway stops getting their purses taken from them and some thug who should have been facing felony charges and had a rap sheet a mile long who got a slap on the wrist and was walking the next day. That kind of thing. They're a dime a dozen. But in my case, based on seven-year-old facts, facts that I deny but are predicated on a, a, a relationship of a sexual nature, it's the reverse And he's seeking to elevate the misdemeanor to a felony. You know, call the Manhattan Institute and get all the crime data. They'd love to give it to you. And tell that story. But he he just can't control himself. And it was was a, a scripted speech. And I'm sure it played very well in the room. But I thought it was a missed opportunity in the court of public opinion. Remember those polls that I've gone over in the last two days, one from ABC and one from CNN. You know, a, a, a sizable number of Americans, depends on which poll you're looking at, either a plurality or a majority, they think that he should have been charged and that it's political. That's, that's nutty to me, absolutely nutty. I have more to say. Of course, I'm going to include your telephone calls, but allow me to, to share more reaction when we come back in in just a moment, and then I'll include your telephone calls. And Mark Halpern will be here in the second hour. We'll talk about some of the political ramifications. Uh, and we'll do this for the bulk of the program because it, it is of that significance. I mean, I'll tell you another interesting thing I thought last night, and I raised this yesterday. I, I raised with you, if you were a cable television programmer, if you were Chris Licht running CNN, are you taken the Trump speech? They did. They did until the very end uh, when they dipped out and then came back and kind of hammered him, which I anticipated. But I think it was the right call. I mean, how do you cover all day long what was go- the movement of the motorcade and the plane and and walking into the and then all of a sudden when Trump finally gets his opportunity to speak, you're not going to take it. And by the way, MSNBC did not take it, which I think was petulant. Fox, of course, took it. Uh, Newsmax, OAN. Both took it. CNN took the, the you know, 90 percent of it. They dipped out just before he was finishing. I'm back in just a second. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. 
Uh, Barbara, I'm not finished with my thoughts, but already you are saying you're surprised that I haven't, what, changed since where I was yesterday? No, I'm surprised that you're still um, firm on saying that's all there is. And I'll tell you why. And honestly, I'm sort of exactly where you are when it comes to all of this. So, but, but yesterday, and I listened to Lanny Davis on your show, and what I heard him say is, not that there was going to be so much more, but he said, listen very carefully to the statutes. You have to pay attention when they, you have to be, listen very carefully when all this comes out. And I, I think I did. And I was flipping channels all day yesterday to all three networks. But what I heard was that there was a conspiracy um, there's a New York law which says that um, you can't have a conspiracy like between Pecker and Trump and others, and that would be the catch and kill scheme, to keep New York voters from knowing information that might influence how they vote. And that's kind of what I heard yesterday that kind of said to me, oh, okay, that makes a little more sense than what I've been hearing recently. And that's kind of the little bit more that I heard yesterday. And I was thinking, are you uh, are you was, not are you not troubled if it's if it's humanly possible to forget that it's Donald Trump? Are you not troubled by the idea that such legal gymnastics are being performed in a bid to indict a former president of the United States based on seven year old facts? Does that not trouble you at some level? It it kind of doesn't. And that's only okay. because he was president for four years. And I kept hearing uh, every Mitch McConnell and everyone else saying, look, he's president. Indict him when he's not president. And so that I, I kind of told the whole four years thing. I wouldn't um, be I, I wouldn't be saying yesterday. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be saying I have to run. But I but I'm very grateful for your your opinion. Thank you. I I I wouldn't be saying these things if Jack Smith had gone first. By the way, I'm, I'm reading, you know, some of, of uh, the analysis. Nobody knows. Pure speculation. Talking about, you know, Jack Smith could be ready by the fall. What? <laughs> by the fall? And, and, and Barbara, one other thing. And to the extent, Barbara, you share my skepticism, we're in good company. Charlie Savage wrote the front page story from the New York Times today analyzing the indictment. And this paragraph jumped out at me because... I know both of these individuals, and you'll know them by reputation. Quote, indeed, a range of election law specialists on Tuesday expressed fresh doubt about whether Mr. Bragg could successfully use campaign finance laws alone to elevate the bookkeeping fraud charges to felonies. Among those skeptics were Richard Hassan, University of California at Los Angeles legal scholar and Benjamin Ginsburg, longtime election lawyer for the Republican Party and critic of Mr. Trump. But even with the addition of the claim about the intended false statements to tax authorities, Robert Kellner, the chair of the election and political law practice at the firm of Covington and Burling, remains skeptical that it would satisfy the need to show an intent to commit another crime. Quote, the local prosecutors seem to be relying in part on a bank shot, exploiting Michael Cohen's guilty plea in a federal campaign finance case, but there were ser- serious questions about the legal basis for the case against Cohen, making that a dubious foundation for a case against a former president. I, I know it's all very complicated. If Alvin Bragg has a clean case, 
even if not obligated to tell it all to us yesterday, he should have. Instead, instead, you've got the New York Post front page today, headline, trumped up. And then subheading, is that all there is? And many of the usual people are saying what you would expect them to say on a day like today. But some are stepping out of their box. You know, the Wall Street Journal is in the former category, but I like I like the points that the journal made. The public can now read the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's indictment against former President Donald Trump, as well as his more voluble statement of facts. But the speculation and leaks of recent weeks were well informed. There are few surprises, except perhaps astonishment that Mr. Bragg's case looks even weaker than we expected. Further along. Here's a big question that Mr. Bragg still hasn't adequately answered. Where is the second crime? Recall that falsifying business records is a misdemeanor in New York. It's a felony only if the books were cooked with an intent to commit another crime or to aid or conceal the commission thereof. When Mr. Trump worked out his reimbursement arrangement with Mr. Cohen, what other crime was he allegedly trying to cover up? And then they zeroed in on this. At a press conference, Mr. Bragg was given a second shot to explain the other crime. The DA cited the federal cap on campaign contributions as expected. Okay, there's a problem with a state DA being the litigant on that charge, as I've told you. Back to the journal. But he also brought up New York state election law, which makes it a crime to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. Mr. Bragg then mentioned, quote, statements were planned to be made to tax authorities. Planned? And then to my alternate universe comments, you'll remember of a couple of days ago, you know, what if Trump had gone quietly into that night? taken his uh, defeat like a man and went golfing in Mar-a-Lago. The journal says the question that keeps smacking us upside the head is whether this case would have been brought against any defendant not named Donald Trump. And you hear that and maybe you think, well, yeah, that's going to be the Wall Street Journal. You know, they don't like him personally, but they'd rather have his policy. Okay, how about this? How about Mitt Romney? How about Mitt Romney? Would that turn your head? He begins his statement, Dateline, Salt Lake City, I believe President Trump's character and conduct make him unfit for office. Even so, I believe the New York prosecutor has stretched to reach felony criminal charges in order to fit a political agenda. No one is above the law, not even former presidents, but everyone is entitled to equal treatment under the law. The prosecutor's overreach sets a dangerous precedent for criminalizing political opponents and damages the public's faith in our justice system. Here's another person stepping outside their box. Ruth Marcus at the Washington Post, a progressive, a liberal, who, by the way, in her column says, I'm not saying prosecutors will lose this case. They could well win. And I hope they do. Okay, so she's telling you she's rooting for Trump's conviction. And then she runs through some of the facts, talks about Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, quote, which leaves open the question of whether New York state prosecutors can transmorgify this conduct into a state crime. And the answer is maybe. And don't be fooled by the 34 counts. That healthy sounding number doesn't signify anything about the strength of the case. They will all rise or fall together, depending on whether prosecutors theory holds up. 
and then further along. It's not well-trodden legal territory. If I understood Bragg's argument correctly, there's a certain circularity to saying that a false statement on corporate books becomes a felony, not a misdemeanor, because state election law makes it a misdemeanor to promote a candidacy by unlawful means such as making statements. The most uh, embracing, the most embracing of Bragg's arguments that I've read, seen, heard comes from, and there's a print version of this in the New York Times today, from Karen Friedman Agnafilo, a former Manhattan assistant district attorney, and Norm Eisen, former special counsel to the House Judiciary Committee, writing in the Washington, the, pardon me, New York Times today, Whatever happens next, one thing is clear. Mr. Trump cannot persuasively argue he is being singled out for some unprecedented theory of prosecution. I, I couldn't disagree with that statement more. Really? Who, who's the other person where this don't and don't tell me about individuals who've been uh, convicted, prosecuted, convicted for for manipulating the business records? I need to know of the pairing with a second crime akin to this. The indictment is therefore anything but political. If anything, the more political choice would have been not to indict when there is so much scrutiny. Mr. Bragg appears to have the backbone to avoid such considerations in charging decisions good for him and for the rule of law. And then, you know, Trump overplayed uh, a good hand in the remarks that he made last night. Shorter than usual, but total Festivus. Having been cautioned by the judge, as were all the parties, to, you know, take it down a few notches. Instead, he by name went after Bragg as the criminal, went after the judge, the judge's wife, the judge's daughter. It's so amazing, because I know people who want to be for Donald Trump because of the policies because of the business attitude, because of the influence that he had on the court. And those people would have been like, you know, rooting for Trump every step of the way until then. And when he talks about, you know, the judge's daughter, really? No. Should have come out there and said, forget me. Let's talk about the old lady in the purse. And in that case, Alvin Bragg let the guy walk free, reduced it. From a felony to a misdemeanor. And in my case, based on a legal theory that the Times and the Post call risky and novel and untested, in my case, they want to elevate it to a felony status. If that's not political, I don't know what is. Would have said Donald Trump. Well, thank you so much for indulging me and allowing me to get those things off my chest. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.